have a For the Record this week. So this is from two episodes ago. This was in our episode, Dodging the Second Arrow. So, you know, when something painful happens, we berate ourselves about it. And that becomes us shooting ourselves with the second arrow. So I was talking about Darren pointing out second arrow stuff and joking that the trouble with teaching your husband about this stuff is that then he can use it against you. And he got my meaning when he heard the episode, but he reminded me that he rejects the me versus him frame completely, (laughs) like even in jest, (laughs) that we are on the same team, that he would never use anything against me only for the benefit of our team so (laughs) so he is right of course he is a very evolved human yes (laughs) so if I could go back and say it again I'm saying it now if you teach your partner about this stuff be ready for them to hold you accountable often for your own benefit yes and the benefit of the the team team. (laughs) yes so yes thank you Darren for for the gentle reminder Welcome to Semi Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all of the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. As we try out research-backed strategies for meaningful living, we share takeaways that you can use too. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister, Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. Today's episode is about living by the reverse golden rule. That is, flipping treat others how you'd like to be treated to treat yourself how you'd like others to be treated. We'll talk about why it's so important to be kind to yourself, even though it can be difficult, and how to do it. But first, we wanted to share some listener feedback on our last episode, Good for Her, Not for Me. We talked about using Amy Poehler's motto to help us withhold judgment when other people make different choices than we do. And interestingly, we heard from a couple of our male listeners who shared how this topic shows up in their lives. One shared that he's been having a hard time lately during coronavirus times, not being judgmental or feeling judged as everything is so fraught with going back to work and school. So he wrote us an email the day the episode released saying that good for her, not for me applies to everything. I've already said it to myself 10 times today. Love that. Uh, Me too. So great to hear that this is useful stuff. Definitely. And another one said he really related to this topic in terms of comparison and competition, seeing someone else and thinking, well, he can do that. Why can't I? Thank you so much for sharing with us. And to other listeners, we'd love to hear from you too. How does good for her or him or them, not for me, show up for you? And how is it helping you feel less judged and judgmental, especially during these difficult times? We're all just trying to figure things out. Yes, doing our best. Yes. Well, now we'll get into today's topic, live by the reverse golden rule. So most of us are familiar with the golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated. It actually dates back to ancient Egypt with the proverb, do to the doer to make him do. And in the Western world, it is usually associated with Christianity. The Gospel of Matthew says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So those of us who value kindness and compassion tend to practice the golden rule pretty naturally, I'd say. It's actually the reverse golden rule that is much more challenging. Treat yourself how you'd like others to be treated. There's an excellent article by psychotherapist John Matthews that impacts the reasons this is so crucial to our well-being and why it can be so difficult. He writes, if you have a habit of negative self-talk and you're walking around berating yourself all day, you probably don't want to use the golden rule as a code of conduct. It wouldn't make you many friends. In my work, I've met some of the nicest, most thoughtful and considerate people I've ever known. But I find that when we get down to business and therapy, it is often these very same people who reveal a habit of negative self-talk I can only describe as abusive to themselves. 
Matthews continues, they say things to themselves that they wouldn't dream of saying to someone else. Name-calling, shaming, blaming. Make no mistake, this negative self-talk is emotional abuse, and abuse can have serious repercussions, whatever its source. Emotional abuse creates tangible change in the brain. Research on the brain imagery of victims of chronic emotional abuse reveal consistent differences from a normal brain, particularly in the parts of the brain tasked with regulating emotion and promoting self-awareness. Emotional abuse wears down your ability to make yourself feel better. This can lead to depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues. It can also sustain or worsen issues that are already there. I thought it was really enlightening because although I know how much of an obstacle negative self-talk can be to thriving, I hadn't actually named it as emotional abuse or known about the changes that it can cause in the brain that can trigger those fight-or-flight responses on a long-term basis. The good news is that because of our brain's neuroplasticity, its ability to reorganize connections and form new ones, we can train it to be kinder and more helpful to us to reverse the negative effects of trauma. You can work with a therapist on this and also practice mindfulness and self-compassion as we've talked about in several episodes we'll link to in the show notes. The research of Dr. Kristen Neff, a psychologist and expert on self-compassion, has found that people who are compassionate to themselves are much less likely to be depressed, anxious, insecure, and stressed, and are much more likely to be happy, resilient, optimistic, and motivated to change themselves and their lives for the better. They also tend to have better relationships with others. So now Jill and I want to share some of the areas where we most often talk unkindly to ourselves and what we try to say or want to say instead to practice living by the reverse golden rule. So the first thing that came to mind for me is appearance, because looking in the mirror is one of the first things I do in the morning and the last thing I do before I go to bed. And those are the times when I happen to look the roughest. (laughs) So my thought is usually, you look like a mess or you look so old and tired. (laughs) Don't talk to my sister like that. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for sticking up for me. Not cool. Oh my gosh, I I joked about recoiling from my wizened visage and so ridiculous. I know, and it's funny, but sometimes it like feels true. You know, (laughs) like I as I was getting ready for bed last night, I was pulling back my hair and seeing all these little grays coming in underneath. You know, just the little baby grays, and I'm just like silver vixen. I'm a silver Silver vixen. vixen, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I'll even zoom in on just one perceived flaw and then just go down a Google rabbit hole for just like beauty products. practices to improve it. It's so bad. And sometimes by the next day, I don't care as much or it just happens not to be as apparent and I kind of forget about it. But those moments are just really stressful. Yes. Yes. I completely relate. And it's a habit that I've been trying to break for, I mean, it feels like years. I apparently have a particular frowny expression I use when I do this while looking in the mirror. (laughs) Brian will be like, what what is that you're doing with your face right now? Your default look in the mirror expression. Yes, like my default is like kind of like confused and stressed and (laughs) unhappy, which is, you know. You're creating the frown lines and you're like, I have so many frown lines. (laughs) Why are there these lines between my my eyes? Um, And of course, I would hate my friends to do the same thing with their appearance. And I don't like when they Mm -hmm. criticize themselves or focus on what they perceive as flaws because I think they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to extend that same grace to myself. (laughs) I know. Yeah, one of my friends was going through her old clothes and she says that some of the pants that didn't fit her for a while, they were in a bag on her shelf. And on the outside, she had written work out. And I was like, oh, Oh. God, it just like broke my heart. And she's like... 
I know I like I have evolved and I'm, you know, peace. I'm good with it now. And I know my body's changing and that's okay. But how often do we talk to ourselves that way? You know, I know. we would never. Can you imagine if a friend said that to you? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. You're just like, oh, yeah, my pants don't fit. And you're like, work out. Oh, my gosh. It would be horrible. I would have a very hard time forgiving that friend for saying something I know. Like that. <laughs> so I'm so glad she has a healthier self-image because, of course, I look at her and I'm like, you're gorgeous, you know. Right. I know. I know. I was thinking about this this past weekend because I was looking through some old pictures and they're about 10 years old right now. I had these old memory cards from when we lived in Naples and we used to go boating a lot with friends because we there's a place we could rent cheap boats for the day and we were on the water. It was wonderful. And so there are all these pictures of us. We're all in bathing suits. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, why was I so critical of my appearance at, you know, age <laughs> 26 or whatever, 27? Of course, at that time, I would look in the mirror and have lots of criticisms. But now mm-hmm. at, you know, 37, looking back, I'm like, hey, I feel like I, pre- I look pretty good in these pictures. Right? <laughs> Which is so silly because, of course, I realized that I will do the same thing in 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. So maybe... I could just start, you know, being nice to myself and feeling good about myself in the moment instead of retrospectively. (laughs) Yeah, in the skin you happen to be in now. And, you know, when we are 60, 70, you know, feeling good and healthy and not critical. Yes. No matter what age you are, no matter what your size, I, I, I want that for people I love. And so I also want that for myself. So, so much. Yeah. Like many women, I have always zoomed in on the things I don't like about my appearance instead of appreciating the things that I do. And I am working on thanking my body for being healthy and strong that it created two humans. And it lets me do things like work in the garden and bake cupcakes and play with my kids. You are so right about appreciating what's beautiful about my appearance at 40 and 50 and beyond. I really love when Older women, like Elizabeth Gilbert, has talked about the lines on her face telling these stories of her life. And I love that idea. Uh, Or when women tell their children about the stretch marks on their bellies. And that's the story of their birth, you know. Jennifer Garner was on Ellen once and was saying that people kept congratulating her all the time on baby number four. You know, she had three kids and she's like, I'm not pregnant and I have had three kids and there is a bump. From now on, ladies, I will have a bump and it will be my baby bump. It's not going anywhere. Its name is Violet, Sam and Sarah. I love that. I love that so much. And yes, I too have a bump that is not going anywhere. And it is the mark of my two children. And it's just the way it is. You know, it's a cute little tummy. It's just part of me. I know. And I, I love the idea that as we change and as we grow older, as we have the privilege of growing older, really, that we are able to see these different changes in ourselves. And I hope to appreciate them and value them and not beat ourselves up because we're no longer 21 like we used to be. Right. And, and even the current 21-year-olds right now, the, the gorgeous yes. starlets, you too will be silver vixens one day. Yes. So, I'm trying not to say that in like an old crone voice, <laughs> like, like a gentle Listen welcome. <laughs> Back in my day. I was once like you. <laughs> They'll recoil in horror as we tell them that. It's not a curse. It's an invitation. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. And in my friends, I zoom in on the most beautiful things about them without fail. And most of the time when they mention the things that they see as flaws, as if it were magnified and everyone notices, I truly have not noticed or have not found them remarkable at all. Like it's a neutral feature. I know. I know. And it's it's a good reminder that the things that we fixate on about ourselves, most likely people have never even thought about. So, you know, seriously, even sometimes Darren, when I will point out something on my face and that he looks at every single day, (laughs) he's just like, oh, I never noticed. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, you didn't notice. (laughs) It's probably not a problem. Right. 
<laughs> yes, yes. And I, I really like what you said about thinking about the things that your body can do. I, I also want to appreciate that and not take that for granted, especially, you know, when people I know have had illnesses or injuries or mm-hmm. things like that. So being able to hike or dance or cook or walk or do all those things, those are pretty incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Good reminder for gratitude. Indeed. When you have kids, especially girls growing up, it is really great modeling for them to see your relationship with your body and that you have respect for it. And you're like, gosh, my body's so strong. Your body's so strong. It's so healthy. It can do so many things. Yes, because they're definitely paying attention. (laughs) I could also use more of the reverse golden rule in my life when it comes to making mistakes um, (laughs) or not living up to my often unrealistic expectations for myself. Amen. (sighs) Yes. So when a friend makes a mistake, it's really easy to be supportive and have perspective and say things like, we've all been there. You are doing the best you can. You are trying to do so much right now. Things are really tough right now. You know, all those Mm -hmm. things that just come naturally when you speak to someone you love. And I don't do the same for myself. That that Mm -hmm. compassion and understanding and love kind of goes out the window. I'm like, you blew it. You're the worst. (laughs) Yeah, right. Why did you do that? God, you always do this. That was really dumb. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so we have talked about how we both still beat ourselves up about mistakes that we made years and years ago. Yes. <laughs> Just like things that people that we believe we wronged may not even remember or have long forgiven us for. It could have just been a moment of stress, not being our best selves. Right. And as far as failure, I am working on building my failure tolerance, first discomfort tolerance, and then failure tolerance, just looking at failure as just simply not getting the expected or hoped for outcome and seeing it as neutral data <laughs> to inform next steps. <laughs> like and this scientist. is all <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not how I react at all to failure, but <laughs> this is what I'm trying to do. Like, well, that didn't work. Let's try this instead. <laughs> instead of like, God, I'm so this dumb. experiment is ruined. <laughs> I know. Gosh, I mean, think of yourself as a scientist, like scientific progress. And he Hugely successful businesses are built on many, many failures. Yes. Yeah. It's so true. Like you think about all of those ways that people had to optimize or change things or pivot to come up with inventions or developments. And if they'd just been like, well, this first time I tried it, it didn't work. Guess I'll just quit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We would be really lacking in a lot of, you know, art, science, what have you. Yeah. And when a friend has a failure or like doesn't meet her own expectations, I start with empathy and I point out the learning she can build on and the power of yet. Always the power of yet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very good reminder. Well, I'm hard on myself for not having more self-control a lot of the time for the intense emotional overreactions of annoyance and anger I can often have. I found that I treat my immediate family as an extension of myself. So I can be as hard on them as I am on myself. Like I can yell at the kids or speak to them in a frustrated voice, even when I know that they are having a hard time, not giving me a hard time, you know, when they have a tantrum or something. Especially during these corona times. Yes. It is really common to treat strangers and friends with more courtesy than we do our own family. (laughs) Gretchen Rubin says that she would give her husband Jamie a kidney without thinking, but get annoyed if he asks her to like run an errand, like pick up milk or something, (laughs) you know? Yes. Which is so true. And... Ultimately, when we learn to be easier on ourselves and kinder to ourselves, we will be easier on our loved ones as well. Yes, we can give ourselves and the people we love the most the best version of ourselves. That's right. Not whatever's left over after we've been polite to strangers in the grocery store. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm spent for the day. Sorry, guys. That's <laughs> now all I'm just, I got. You got the grump. <laughs> yep. Well, here are a few tips for practicing the reverse golden rule from Matthews, Neff, and other researchers. So again... Reverse golden rule is treating yourself as you'd like others to be treated. 
So the first tip is notice the way that you're talking to yourself. Often we are not even conscious of these thoughts because they've become so automatic and you've thought them so many times, they've just become these underlying beliefs that you take for granted. So think, is this thought positive, neutral, or negative? And pay attention to the words and tone that you're using and think, would you speak to someone else that you love this way? So for example, when you look in the mirror, are you zooming in on your perceived flaws and thinking, God, you look rough? You know, <laughs> you would not dream of saying that to your best friend or any friends because you would not have any friends no, at all. No, you would quickly lose your friends if you're like, wow, yeah. gosh, what happened to oh. you? <laughs> <laughs> look what the cat tried <laughs> The second tip is review and challenge negative thoughts. Is what you're telling yourself true? Could it be the result of a cognitive distortion like catastrophizing, shoulding, overgeneralizing, or jumping to conclusions? So for example, when you make a mistake at work, do you overgeneralize and think you always screw up, you're terrible at your job? Instead, you could challenge that negative thought and think, yikes, I messed up, that was not ideal, but I'm going to try to fix it and not do that again. The third tip is imagine you are talking to a friend. Compare what you are saying to yourself to how you would react to a close friend who's struggling. What would you say to that person to be supportive or empathetic and say those same words to yourself? So for example, I know you feel awful that you yelled at your son for throwing a tantrum about virtual school. And P.S. This is, is so is hypothetical. This totally <laughs> hypothetical, not real life example. Cool. For a friend. <laughs> so both of you are under so much stress right now and not your best selves. Glennon Doyle talks about relentless self-forgiveness and says love is forever tries. So you can always apologize and start over. That is also good modeling for your kids about how to handle conflict and that cycle of rupture and repair. Yes, I have hope for this next generation. Yes. <laughs> better than we. <laughs> yes, everyone's a little better. Yes. Mm -hmm. The fourth tip is rewrite your internal messages. Identify the negative messages you repeat to yourself and rewrite them. So back in episode 18, How Our Language Shapes Our Reality, we talked about a book that can help reverse the effects of negative self-talk and learn to practice the reverse golden rule. It's a book called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmstetter, PhD. Our brains save the messages they hear most often and use them as the default. And Helmstetter says we have to rewrite these messages, replacing them thought by thought with words that better serve us. So for example, rewrite I'm such a mess, I'm a terrible friend, employee, parent, or partner, from a place of love and empathy. So you could say instead, I'm having a hard time right now because things are hard, but there's nothing wrong with me, I'm doing my best, and that is enough. The fifth and final tip is practice radical self-love. Sonia Renee Taylor, author of The Body Is Not an Apology, says, radical self-love is our inherent state of being as worthy and enough. It is the unobstructed access to our highest selves. So it is an unlearning of our conditioning and the dismantling of obstacles to our natural state of loving ourselves. So she says on the days that she doesn't like her body, she says, the work is to love the Sonia that doesn't like her body until Sonia loves her body again. She tells herself, I love you, Sonia, who can't stand her cellulite today. I love you, Sonia, who's frustrated about this acne breakout. I love you, Sonia, who's worried that her appearance might make her not desirable as an aging black woman, and she'll be alone forever. I love you. You can, of course, apply this kind of active self-love practice to all areas of your life. So Sonia says that self-acceptance is not enough. You want your closest people, for example, to not just accept you, but to love you. 
That's beautiful. I love that. Yes, I love it. I love her example. Very relatable. Yes. Yes. And someone in struggle needs your compassion, not your judgment. Yes. Including yourself. Including yourself. Most importantly, yourself. (laughs) Yes. And as Brene Brown says, talk to yourself like you would someone you love. Amen. Amen. So now it is time for Get It Together, Got It Together, a segment where we share something we'd like to work on and something that's going well for us right now. Malia, would you like to go first? Well, my get it together is letting my email correspondence back up. There are about eight emails that I have on my list to write to friends or family or podcasters. I think of it as I'm cleaning the house or whatever and then totally forget. Yes. So the early morning time or the late evening time is best for me to write emails just because the kids aren't interrupting and I can focus. So if I could do just one per day, I'd knock it out in just over a week. Yeah, that's a good goal because I get overwhelmed by that list to the backlog of people I genuinely want to write back to or reach out to. and. It feels overwhelming, but like one per day feels manageable. I know, and especially in this time where we crave connection and we aren't seeing our friends in person, you know, as much or at all, it's really nice to have that connection. So I will try to do that by the next time we record. Awesome. So my got it together is that Darren and I worked as a team to get our battery-powered lawnmower fixed. And usually this is the kind of thing that would sit around for a while and we just like avoid taking care of it. Oh, yeah, But because the grass (laughs) continues to grow and we have neighbors and they have lawn crews that come and take care of their yards, we wanted to (laughs) not be the deadbeat neighbors, so... (laughs) We took care of it right away and did it through a sensible process. So we like first watched YouTube videos to see if we could figure out the hacks and take care of it ourselves. That didn't work. So he took it apart, took out all the screws and located the problem. And then it was under warranty still. And because we had cleaned the filing cabinet recently, we actually located the warranty and receipt right away and took it to Home Depot. They replaced the motor for free and it works again. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I know. I was really, really Way proud of us. And now I, I mowed the lawn over the weekend. Oh my and gosh. it looks really nice. Yeah. Very impressed. Uh, normally, we'd be just like sorting through all these papers <laughs> and stacks of files trying to find the warranty. And then we might just have to buy a new one, you know. So it was also good for the environment. We didn't have to waste a lawnmower. That's a win-win. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. What about you, Joe? What's your get it together? Got it together? My get it together is just feeling depleted a lot. I think like most of us were mm-hmm. just kind of maxed out in so many ways. And I feel like the mental emotional load has been pretty heavy lately. And then just having no bandwidth to really do anything else. I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of go, go, go. And then I just collapse and don't want to do anything at all, which is a cycle that doesn't feel very sustainable (laughs) because then I can't do things that I want to for my, my own health or, you know, reaching out to friends and checking in with folks. So the last few weeks, I've just kind of felt depleted in general and like I I mentioned in previous episodes my sleep has been kind of off still and Mm -hmm. all those things kind of relate to one another so that's been tough I think this is a super super common experience right now just with everything going on in the world our routines are totally thrown off it's wearing on us you know over time and then just you know with the election building and everything it's like if you're reading the news if you're on social media it's just like a lot to take in so much yeah so I would recommend limiting social media intake and I am like on the extreme of that right now I haven't been engaging very much on news and social media and I like want to know enough but I mean ultimately 
we're going to go vote. And that is the most important thing. And of course, you can do your bits of activism, but focus targeted activism that's going to make a difference. Yes. But yeah, just knowing what's going on in the 24 hour news cycle is so unhealthy and not what our brains are designed for. No, it's very exhausting. And like we already voted, we sent in our absentee ballots and we're, you know, Mm -hmm. doing the other small actions that we can Mm -hmm. from afar. And yes, I was talking to a friend earlier about the news and social media limitations. And she was saying that twice a day is what she does, like checks in twice a day on things. And that's all she can manage. You know, it's enough to keep in the loop, but not this stress spiral, which I feel like I'm in constantly. I might try once a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can handle at this point. Yeah. Honestly, like, we've talked about this before on the podcast, like what the right time of day for that is. Mm-hmm. Not first thing in the morning and not right before bed. Yeah. But like a midday, mid-morning maybe check yeah, in. Yeah, maybe right, or right after lunch before you get back into work. Yeah. Yeah. Once a day would be ideal because... Things are hard enough. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's my get it together. That's just kind of the state of the world and how I'm dealing with it. My got it together is that I went on my first hike of the season this weekend, which was wonderful. The weather just kind of turned overnight and got cool. We had a cold snap come in and I think it's going to last. We kind of get false falls sometimes here (laughs) where Mm -hmm. we think it's time and then it gets back to being hot. But Um, This weekend was beautiful and nice and cool and cloudy. And so Brian and I took a hike just outside the city and actually hiked to a winery that was in the middle of this park, which was amazing. So awesome. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. I mean, we just had this time in nature and I've been craving it so much. I haven't gone since before the COVID lockdowns because we weren't able to for so long and then it got hot. So Mm -hmm. it felt really rejuvenating to like be off of devices, to be in nature, to be moving my body, to be outside and doing things. And and also to find an activity that potentially we could do with a couple of friends safely, distance hiking and then Mm -hmm. outdoor winery. It was really, really great for my mental health. I I really am very excited about taking a hike every weekend for as long as I can. Oh my gosh, it's so good for you. Yes. Beauty, the nature, wine. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not all of them will have wine, but I would love all of them to have wine. <laughs> yeah, you can bring your own. Yes. <laughs> bring your flask. <laughs> can make that happen. Well, that is all for this episode of Semi Together. In what areas do you most need to practice the reverse golden rule? Any tips for treating yourself as you'd like others to be treated? Email us at podcast at semitogether.com or send us a voice memo. If you haven't already, take a moment to leave us a review or share the podcast with a friend who might find it helpful. Thank you for listening to Semi Together. And take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. Oh, and I just realized that I switched my order of got it, get it together, got it together. Oh, because shoot, because last, last time. time. Yes. Yeah, it's fine. I just want to avoid it for the record. So I'm just going to leave it. And next time I'll, I'll do it in the proper order. Yeah, I mean, you could switch <laughs> it probably in the editing process. And I think it was yeah, still Yeah, you flowing. could try. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. If not, whatever. It's Break fine. format. It's chaos. <clears throat> it's COVID. We do what we want. All bets are off. <laughs> what a time. I know. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. <laughs> 2020. Favorite year. All right, my love. All right, love. Well, hang in there. Hope the rest of your Monday is good. Thank you. You too. Love Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.